everyone, and welcome to the Inside Out Group podcast, where we talk about organizational leadership, systems, marketing, and more for your church or organization. Today, we want to talk about the topic of engaging the next generation. Today, you have your hosts, Nathan and Michael Moore. How's it going? What's up? Awesome. Glad you gave me a response there. <laughs> so, Mike, <laughs> engaging the next generation, what has brought up this topic? Uh, I, I think simply this has come up because I have talked with a lot of pastors and I've seen a lot of pastors specifically, again, we're in the Northeast, so uh, in the Northeast, but also like even downstate, which I guess is still in the Northeast. Uh, but just in general, a lot of a lot of churches, there are churches who are reaching the next generation extremely well, and then there are churches that are not reaching them. And then I feel like sometimes they get mad or offended uh, for the churches that are reaching the next generation. And so I see this a lot of time. I'm involved in several social media uh, pastoral groups um, on on Facebook and stuff. And I see this question come up a lot. What are you doing to reach millennials? What are you doing to reach uh, teens and, and young adults? And um, and then I even see comments like, um, I, we'll, we'll go here, but I see comments like, if you want to see the spirit move at our church, come on down. There won't be anyone wearing skinny jeans and a hat and mm. boots at our church. We let the spirit of God free, which completely says we don't want to yeah. reach the next generation. Yep. We don't want to reach the people who ultimately need Christ. And so you, people are excommunicating the next generation. So I think that this is a topic that needs to be brought up, um, especially in our context, because uh, I mean, we are in a city that the average age is 30 years old. And if we are not effectively reaching the next generation, who are we reaching? And ultimately, this is the future of the church and the future of the church is now. So that's that's why this topic is coming up. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, what are some of the problems that you see with churches wanting to uh, start to engage the next generation? Yeah, so let me first and foremost, let me just read off some stats and you can research these. But from 1992 to 2007, Pew Research says that the median age of a Protestant pastor increased the median age from 44 years old to 54 years old, meaning pastors and people in church leadership are getting older. So there is this huge disconnect Um huge disconnect with with the younger generation. Only one in seven pastors nowadays are under the age of 40. Uh, Half of the pastors who are currently serving as pastors are over the age of 55. And so that's a huge problem. Nothing against the older generation. Let me make that very, very clear. But there's this generational gap that is happening between between millennials and that is happening uh, between the church, church leadership specifically. And, and then the other thing, and again, these are not my statistics, I'm, I'm getting these statistics, is that the communities that we live in are actually getting younger while our churches are getting older. And, and so they're saying that by 2025, more than one in three U.S. workers are actually going to be millennials. Uh, I'm sorry, right now, more than one in three U.S. workers are millennial, but by the year 2025, one out of two U.S. workers are going to be millennials or younger. Um, And so what is happening that we see just from the Pew Research is that the church leadership is getting older, but the communities and the cities that we live in is actually getting younger, uh, just as a median average with that. And so it's creating a problem if churches are not reaching the the next generation and and so i think some of that some of it stems from um sometimes churches don't know how to reach the next generation sometimes they 
I feel like there's also this entitlement. I've been here for 25 years. I deserve this role. Um, I'm not going to pass this on. Uh, whatever, whatever it may be, I feel like that there's there's this problem. There's this tension back and forth. And what's happening is you're seeing churches that are unwilling to make changes to be able to reach the next generation getting mad at other churches who are reaching the next generation. And then they say they're watering down the gospel or they're preaching a hipster gospel or a social gospel or whatever else, which I don't believe uh, sometimes is the case, but not all the, all times it is the case. And so uh, that's, that's kind of some of the problems that I'm, I'm seeing. Also, there's yeah. just a huge disconnect so do you think, that needs to be addressed. Um, kind of going off topic a little bit. Do you think part of the reason that the age is going up, especially in the, the median age of pastors, because they're resistant to change or because uh, they've just for now we have metric, but for a while they haven't been able to get new people or younger people in the door. So that's why they can't find anyone to replace them. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it stems down to. So I guess the question is, is it a change issue? Yeah, or, or a change is it, is it like issue? now just now we're seeing the side effects of not being able to get younger generations in the door. Right. Like maybe this was a problem 10 years ago, but we didn't see the drastic income because exactly. Yeah. We didn't see the data. And so I definitely think that that could be the case. I think that I think a lot of times that we have the mentality of what worked back then is what's going to work now. And we try to do what worked in the 80s or what worked in the 90s or what worked seven years ago. And it doesn't work today in, in our society. So here's here's the thing. The gospel is the same. The message is the same. The message of the gospel is never going to change, but we must be willing to change the methods in which we reach the next generation. And we must be able to talk their language and be relatable. And I'm not, I know someone might be listening right now and saying, we are not of this world. You're right. I am not of this world. I am not of this world. We are set apart. We are holy people as Christians, uh, but we are called to go into the world. And Paul made himself to where he even says, I'm all things to all people, meaning I can relate to uh, King Agrippa, but I can also relate to a slave girl and the jailer. And so we have to be willing to change our method to be able to reach who it is that ultimately God has called us uh, has called us to reach. So I think a big issue, and I'll give you a little story. I think a big issue is churches don't want to change. And, and so I met with a, a local pastor earlier this year and we had a good discussion and he was talking to me about how his church was dying, that they were sitting on a buttload of money. Um, but that, that they had their systems in place, but he was upset because they weren't getting the results of reaching new believers or reaching younger believers or, or younger people in general. And so we got into the dialogue and we got into the conversation and I left there and I came back with kind of this plan, like, here's what we can do if we partner with you. This is what it will look like. And he came back and he said, well, we just need um, one person. We just need a resident revivalist to come in and the spirit of God is going to move and everyone's going to get saved. And then that's how our church is going to end up growing and functioning. And we're going to reach new people to this day, which they've had multiple revivalists come in. They're still the same size. Their church is getting older. They're not reaching new people and their church is dying. And I believe that this is actually the case for a lot of churches out there. And it's because he was unwilling to change his, his methods. I totally agree with his vision, totally agreed with his, with the gospel. Um, uh, doctrinally, I, I, we agreed, but there was just this unwillingness to change the methods of reaching people, yeah. um, no, especially good. in the younger generation. Uh, so what are some of the ways that city church has engaged the next generation? 
So I, I think this is, uh, to be honest with you, it's kind of a little unfair to ask this, so I'll try to say this. Um, we are a young church. We are a young church with young leaders. And so I'll start there. Uh, whenever we started, I started the church whenever I was 25 years old. I was the youngest person on the team whenever we started. Um, and, and by that, I mean like leader, core leadership team. And so naturally, I was able to attract people that were uh, within a 10 year plus or minus span of me. And so all the way up to 35 down to 15, which is exactly, exactly what happened. And so for a while, our church was kind of stuck because all we had was young people. And so uh, we were relatable stylistically. We dressed the same. We listened to the same music. Uh, we spoke the same language as far as slang and stuff. Uh, but we were passionate about Jesus. And that was something that was very attractive to people. And actually, I'm going to have you speak to this in just a minute. Um, but we but we were able to, uh, we spoke their language. And the second thing, we got this generation, excuse me, our generation, we got them plugged in and we got them involved in serving and we got them involved in leadership, which is huge. Uh, I, I think that if you are trying to reach someone who's 25 and it's a bunch of 45 year olds making decisions to be able to reach someone who's 25, you're not going to effectively reach someone who's 25. Bring a 25 year old on the leadership team. Bring a 25 year old in on the conversation and ask them, what do you want to hear about? What's going to be effective in reaching you? What is your generation talking about right now? What are the big issues that are going on? And then in leadership, give them the, the autonomy and the authority to be able to release them into leadership. And so a lot, of, a lot of times, and this is something that I do on my side time, like I'm not bashing other churches, but just hear me out. Uh, I'm going to be very blunt right here. I go on church websites, and one of the first things I look for is who's on their team. And so um, the first thing I look for is what's the generic age of their leadership team? If it's all people, if their youth pastor is 50 mm -hmm. years old, there's probably a problem, probably a problem. A second thing, and this is a totally different topic for a totally different day. If it's all white people on their leadership team, that's a problem. That's a problem because our, we live in a multicultural, multi-generational uh, church. Now, whenever I go on a church website and I see that their leadership team is comprised of people that are in their 50s and people that are in their 20s, um, people that are Hispanic, people that are Caucasian, people that are African-American, I think that that's awesome because that is the language that our culture nowadays, especially the younger generation, is is uh, is trying yeah. to uh, is speaking right now. And so I hope I'm yeah, making sure. sense yeah. of this. But let me ask you this, Nathan. Totally throwing you on the spot. All right. How old are you now? 12? Uh, 23. Yeah. Yeah, 12. Sure, we'll go 12. 12? Yeah. Okay, no, I'm, I'm joking. This, this is a, just a rolling joke that we have in case you guys don't know yeah, us, which everywhere. you probably yeah. don't. But, yeah, so, um, so, yeah, so we just have this rolling joke. So, Nathan, you are 12. <laughs> it's fine, whatever. 20, yeah, yeah. How legit. How, <laughs> that was a legit accent. You're 23 years old. You started I coming to the church when? 15, 16. I was 16. Because I was just about to get my license. You drove... Yep, and then you drove Dude, the that purple thing is turd. Dragged the church equipment to hell and back. Yes, that thing was a beast. And it was a 1970 Plymouth purple. Grand Voyager purple sports edition shag carpet. You name it, it was great. Minivan, yeah, minivan, yeah, minivan, minivan. You gotta make sure. Yeah, in case you don't know, minivan. So, but anyways, what uh, led you to our church? Definitely the culture for sure. So, it's almost like uh, as you said in the beginning, City Church was. Uh, fit in that lifestyle of, you know, <clears throat> uh, kind of the same culture where same clothes kind of had that whole vibe where everyone was young. Uh, and I was coming from a church at that point that was 
as you talked about, everyone's older, you know, no one on the leadership was below, I think 40. Like it was one of those churches, nothing against them at the time. I learned a lot from it, you know, but, um, it's definitely, you know, as I switched to that age, it was, that's what was compelling it was coming from something that was old school to, to new. Yeah. And, and so, uh, and how long until we started put you, putting you into high capacity volunteer? What would you classify roles? as high class? I mean, how until you started, until you had a voice with the people yeah, who were I guess, in the church? We'll say that. I guess it's grown more and more, but I, I mean, I was in the, on the worship team within the first three, four months or so. And then uh, after that, I mean, I kind of took more of a voice when we had the whole building change issue, just because I was, I don't want to say a resource at that point, but I, I used to work with a bunch of churches in the downtown Albany area, so that's how we got a bunch of buildings last minute. Yeah, and so Nathan Nathan came in. Nathan has a, I'm going to brag on you for a minute. He has a heart to serve. He was a young guy. Uh, he had limited resources, but he had uh, unlimited time. And so he jumped in and in areas that he was passionate about, we let him, uh, we let him run with it. We let him um, tell us whenever we were wrong. I remember we said, I remember you rebuilt our website a few years ago and I said, this looks horrible. And you said, Michael, this is what's in now. And I'm like, no, it's not. And you pulled up three or four other websites and basically you verbally slapped me. I do in the remember face that. I do remember it now that you're saying it. Yeah. Do you remember this for a moment? I and, and so I was like, all right, if that's what's in style. And now that's I guess all what I'm the website looks the 90s, like. Because we've redone right? it a couple of times, but it's still the same yeah. thing. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and so that was, that was a prime opportunity where someone who was. Uh, 10 plus 10, years yeah. younger than me or whatever, however younger you are than me, 10 years younger than me. Oh my gosh, I'm old. Uh, 10 years younger than me was able to give me an opinion, uh, based upon his generation, which ultimately his generation is going to be the future or is the church right now. And so we tweak things to be able to, um, fit what, what it was that would be attractive to them. Uh, but with that said, we no. did not water down the gospel. And I, so I want to make this very clear. I think a yeah, lot of times I just have a one quick thing just to ahead. prove that it's not watered down the gospel. I mean, so you know more about the church that I came from before, and maybe we'll talk about it later at some point, but it was, you know, a very old school church. But I mean, I used to be on missions teams, you name it, where it was prophetic gatherings, everything else. So in terms of, you know, even going to a Christian school, in terms of knowing knowing the gospel and even sitting in with people who are, you know, because my grandparents owned the church, sitting around with people who are 60 years old talking theology and stuff uh, was nothing that was new. You know what I mean? So it was almost like, I mean, you know me, if I heard a watered-down gospel, I'd be bored out of my mind. You know what I mean? Um, and I want to hit on one other point, too, that you mentioned that I think is awesome is uh, when I first started going to church, obviously things changed. I've gone through college. I have a job. I'm married, all that other stuff. But at the age of 16, when I was there helping stuff out, unlimited time. You know what I mean? I mean, you can think about my brother right now. A couple other people who are starting yeah. to get serving in the church are at that age where, um, you know, you can listen to my ideas, but the huge benefit is, is they have that heart and they have unlimited time. You know, I mean, I don't want to say high school is a joke, but they have, they have that time where if they're dedicated to the church, you can totally use them as a resource, you know. Yeah, and 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 I don't want to say free labor because ultimately it should, there should oh, be a form of yeah, discipleship yep, taking yep. place. You should you should be pouring into them. You should be mentoring them. You should be challenging them. You should be calling them out whenever there's there's uh, character issues and stuff like that. But that that is a that is a prime example um, of uh, you know hey I've got all this time. I even think about um, I even think about Josh and Shannon. You know Josh and she, well Josh is a little bit older, but Shannon is yep. roughly your age, maybe a year older. 
but she had all this time. And so she started serving yep. at the church and now she's working at the church and, um, and other people in general. And so uh, it's, I think it's listening to, um, I, no, that's fine. Keep going where you're going. Yeah. Was, kind of went off on the tangent, but yeah, I think it's listening yep. to the, the up and coming yep. generation, engaging with them, uh, giving them a voice, allowing them to lead. I know life church, 80% of their staff is under 30 years yep. old. 80% of their staff is under 30. And the reason that they do that is because they have more time. They don't have families. They have, um, uh, they're, they're more passionate. They're fresh. They're, they're energetic about the gospel and they know how to speak the language of the culture that we live in today. And so I think that if you do not engage or tap in and you're not willing to change your methods to be able to reach the younger generation, I do believe that you're missing. Yeah, no, that's lot. great. Um, so how can a, a church is listening, uh, change the culture to reach more millennials. All right. So I want to actually use, um, a gentleman I've known for, I calculated this the other day. That's one less than I'm years. old. We just discussed uh, that. Yeah. I know. I know. I was talking, I was talking with a friend of mine and he's like, dude, your friendship with this person is like legal age right now. I'm <laughs> drinking. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And so this is, so one of my best friends, David Lilly, um, his dad, who actually was my pastor for a while, uh, kind of growing up, um, his dad is 64 years old and he has got a church in, uh, yeah. I think it's Ragley, yeah. Louisiana or yeah. yeah. It's a Ragley, Louisiana. And in his church, it is thriving with young people. I mean, there are definitely older people there too, but everything that they do, um, is targeted towards young people. Now, here's the senior pastor who, and if you're over 50, here's a senior pastor who's 64 years old. He is an old school Pentecostal preacher and he loves Jesus, but he pours into the next generation through youth camp, um, through uh, youth nights, through college ministry, like that, like they bus in college students. It is a huge focus of their church. And it's because he knows that he has to raise up and mm -hmm. train up the next generation because they are yes. going to be the future of the church. And so that's one of those, those things that it doesn't matter how old you are in leadership. I really think it is. Um, I'll say for me, the men that have poured into my life and who have pastored me and fathered me are 20 plus years older than me. And it's because they actually spent time to invest into me whenever I was 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. And because of that, I am where I am today. And, and so I think it starts with, I genuinely think it starts with if, if you're in a, in a church and you don't know how to reach younger people, go sit at a Starbucks, go sit at a local coffee shop and start to learn from the younger generation. Start to ask questions. Start to talk to your barista. Start to develop those relationships because I really do believe that the younger generation needs fathers in this world to be able to mentor them and spiritually pour into them. And so that's what, what Pastor David has, has done over in, in Louisiana. I mean, this is a small, small town and their church is thriving with young people. Like yeah. a couple hundred so, people uh, so small. And so, um, so I think that that is, that is one way. Um, the other is listening. If you have a few young people in your church, bring them into some meetings, ask them what kind of worship music they like, what stylistically they like. Um, uh, you know, I was, I was at an event not, not too long ago and I heard a song, a worship song, and the event was kind of marketed towards the next generation. Um, and I heard a worship song from whenever I was like eight years old being played. Now it's probably new to them, but in my mind, I was like, seriously, 
seriously right now and and i don't look it was a great song and god met me and god did some great stuff during during that song um but find out what is in style uh with music find out what's in style graphically find out what's in style culturally and start to ask the questions literally just start to pull these people into the community and say what is it that you guys like what can we do differently as a church what do you think will bring your friends in more what serving opportunities um, can we do? And so I, I really think it is just opening the millennials and generation Z and give them a voice in your church community and give them an opportunity to be able to get yeah. no, in, I think that's involved. Great. Uh, and David is a, a great example of his dad. Yeah. 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 And yeah, you met him. Great guy. Great. His hands um, are massive. But even so, we were they talking are. a little bit before the interview that we Start had with him. And uh, not only can you tell that he, he gets it in terms of the, the next generation being the ones to to be the ones to pour into disciple other stuff, but it's not just be, you can tell it's not just because he feels like he has to do it or is called to do it. I mean, you can tell that there's a level of respect there that you don't necessarily get with other people when they pour into the younger generation. He legit, you can tell there's a, a respect and an honor that he, that he gives them from that understanding. So, yeah. Um, so when there's a, when there's a problem, maybe engaging the next generation at a church is, is this a leadership problem, culture problem? Um, what, what can you kind of pin it down to? I think I think it's both. Um, I think it's both, but it, everything rises and falls, as John Maxwell says, on leadership. And so I think ultimately, if you're a senior leader, it's your problem. And it's your problem to tackle. It's your problem to get dirty with. And I, I think that if you want to see your church shift its culture to be able to reach the next generation, you have to be willing to make decisions. And I'm not talking about firing people. I'm talking about your methods have got to change to be able to reach the next generation. Bottom line, they, they've got to, because someone's going to reach them, either society, yep. um, addiction, yep. or the church. Someone's going to reach them. And if we really believe eternity matters, then we should be willing to risk it all to be able to reach the next generation. And so I, I think that, yes, it's a cultural problem in churches that I see. Uh, it's the churches not knowing how to relate, but I, 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 more, more so than that, I think that it's a leadership problem. And with this, I, I will say this as well. Do not bash the next generation. And I'll give you give you an example. Um, I was at the Catalyst Conference a few years ago, and they you've probably seen it. If not, you can YouTube this this video of millennials. Um, it was some uh, what are they called? Like a comedy. Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. I can't. Yeah. Anyway, so just but anyways, it was like millennials and 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 it was just this comical video done about millennials and them trying to pay for college and them living in their parents basement at 27 years old it was just funny and yes it was funny because some of it is true i was sitting behind this group of older gentlemen who just started bashing the millennials in their church and i'm like that's a problem that's a, that's a problem right there and and i could tell just from their response of the video um, and their attitude towards it, that they genuinely have this disconnect with millennials. And so I think, I, I'll be honest with you, I think millennials know their shortcomings. Millennials know their faults. Generation Z, they know that they're all about themselves. They know that they're faults. They don't need to be told that. They need to be encouraged yeah. and they need to be inspired to yeah. do what they can actually do. And so, look, if you have a millennial who is great at social media or marketing, get them plugged in and let them run. If you have a millennial who's great at preaching and communicating, get them plugged in and, and get them running. There's this one guy I follow on social media, 22 years old, and his pastor gave him a platform and he is speaking all across 
the nation right now, just spoke at Youth America, which is this one of the largest youth conferences in the nation because his pastor three years ago gave him a platform to, I'll even say this, his pastor gave him the opportunity to start a young adults ministry. And in nine months, this 22 year old, this 22 year old brought this young adults ministry from 12 people to over a thousand people, a thousand people because his pastor yep. risked it and allowed him to lead. And, and I just think that those are, those are the things is, um, is it a cultural problem? Is it a relatability problem? Yes. But I think ultimately it's a leadership problem. And I think that we as leaders have to be willing to let go of the reins and to empower the next generation to go further yeah. than we have no, ever done. Um, anything else on the topic of engaging the next generation? Um, I, would, I would just say with that, make sure that there's good accountability, make sure that there's good communication, make sure that there's open dialogue on both aspects of it. Um, and this is something that you and I talk about a lot, you know, just, just, if there's issues, bring it and, and allow there to be correction and to be able to move forward. Not, yeah, no, I got it. You. Yeah. That isn't what yeah, I yeah. Usually yeah. you're correcting me, you know, um, being like, Michael, <laughs> you're being stupid right now, you know, but like, but, uh, no, I, I would just say open communication, open dialogue and giving them the voice. I think that's really what it comes down to. And again, being willing to, to change. Do, uh, yeah, do I guess I guess the only thing I'd say to you yeah, just from experience is uh, when you when you do start, maybe you're starting to make the change, or maybe you're kind of thinking about it now. Um, as I said, David, his dad kind of has a big respect for for the generation coming in. Uh, if you do have you know some millennials in your congregation, or you're thinking about starting to put some of them on staff or whatever like that, don't treat them as like your token young kid. It's kind of a weird term to say. But I see churches do that too often where they're like, oh, we have this one young kid, so we reach millennials. You know what I mean? Um, not only does it put pressure on that one person, but it kind of just shows your attitude behind it of how you're really uh, treating that next generation. Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree. And this is not to toot our own horn or to brag on, but we had a large uh, consultant company who's worked from uh, mega churches to smaller churches like like ours and the consultant that came in for us and spoke to us specifically said we've we have never seen a church who reaches who reaches millennials the way that you guys reach millennials and uh, and so that is one of the things that uh, not again not being prideful um, but that is one of the things that we do very well and it's because even though Nathan's 10 years younger than me I don't look at him as he's a lesser than me I know in his areas he's more knowledgeable than me he understands technology and sound production and all that stuff way better than I do. And so I'm not going to challenge him with his decisions. I might ask questions, but I'm going to give him the platform uh, and I'm not going to treat him as a less of simply because of age, which side note, I just want to say, 1 Timothy 4.12, do not let anyone despise you of your youth, but set an example for the believers yep. in faith, life, love, speech, and purity. Timothy was 22 years old, theologians believe, whenever he was pastoring the church in Ephesus yeah. of 25,000 yeah. people. No, that's good. Remember that. Um, for everyone listening, if you want to know more information about engaging in the next generation or dive a little deeper into something we've been talking about, you can email us, podcast at insideoutgroup.org. Uh, if you want to follow Michael on social media, you can follow Mike Moore, ALB, therealmikemore.com. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all next week.
Hey guys, we just want to remind you about the night of worship that is happening October 12th at 7 p.m. at the Washington Armory in downtown Albany, New York. We want to invite you, your team, and your church to come be a part of a historical night of worship. We're, we're going to be lifting up the name of Jesus. On top of that, we want to honor pastors and worship leaders and give back to our community. For more information on this free, free night of worship, please visit us at insideoutgroup.org forward slash Mac. That's insideoutgroup.org forward slash M-A-C-K. We look forward to seeing you there.